You're listening to the Fashion Your Passion podcast, the place for digital communication students to learn tips and tricks on how to navigate the industry. Your host, Sammy Beatrice, is a nonprofit communications professional who is navigating through her own journey and brings a unique perspective each week. If you need a little pick-me-up or wanting to move the needle in your personal or professional life, this is the podcast for you. Um, so my first question is, can you introduce yourself and share about your career background? Sure. Well, hi, guys. My name is Missy Bell. I'm the programs director at Olive Crest, which is an organization that believes in transforming the lives of at-risk youth through the healing power of God, family, and community. Um, So I have to admit, watching you eat pizza is making me just very (laughs) jealous, Um, but I will try to keep going. Um, So I oversee the operations in San Diego, and we have three programs um, one is what we call family preservation. It's strong families. So we care for children one night up to 90 days um, in order to keep families together so they don't enter the foster care system. Uh, the second is a very traditional foster care program. We license foster families to open their home to children zero to 21 years of age. And then the third is a new program that we're implementing in the next few months um, called CSEP, Commercially Sexually Exploited Children. So we'll be caring um, to care for children who have been trafficked. Um, so those are like the three, welcome, um, the three programs I oversee and all of that, of course, encompasses communications and marketing and how we explain what we do to the community, um, to faith-based institutions, um, and also how do we keep ourselves relevant as a nonprofit, um, knowing that there are such things as TikToks and Instagram and all social media. Um, so that is a bit of what I get to do. Beautiful. Hi, guys. I am Sammy. I am the marketing manager of Cause San Diego. Um, And Cause San Diego is, I mean, we're most known for our Cause Conference, which has been going on for this year will be 26 years. Um, but Cause San Diego as a, a brand itself has only been around for about two years. Um, the Cause Conference was a entity of the AMA San Diego, the professional chapter for the first 20 years. And then we sort of took it back after COVID. Um, but Cause San Diego is really the hub for for-profit businesses and nonprofits to come together to learn how they can collab to uh, increase social impact and to make a better impact in San Diego community. Um, we do a lot of providing resources for nonprofits and uh, for-profits and really showing CEOs and big business owners and execs that there is a or there is a reason and a good reason to uh, partner with nonprofits and how they can benefit from that. Um, yeah, that's sort of what we do. Great. Hi, I'm Susie. Um, I am the Director of Marketing Communications over at Voices for Children. I like to see myself as the chief storyteller of the organization. Uh, and what our nonprofit does is we help support youth who are living in foster care. Our program helps support a CASA program, which stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. So these special volunteers are paired up with youth who are in the foster care system. And what can be a really scary time, helping them navigate court to school. Um, they're that one consistent trusted advocate in their life. Um, and it's a really wonderful organization. So my job is to tell the story of the organization to help recruit more volunteers to help spotlight our wonderful existing volunteers and help supporting the events that we do, um, whether it's our, our gala or we just did a really lovely event yesterday, which was a panel with uh, some of our judges who talked about how CASAs and the court system work together. Thank you for having me. All right, and I'm Philippe Lazaro, um, and 
Yeah, from the time I was about a student, I took a real interest in international issues, international development, loved interacting cross-culturally. Uh, so I wound up getting uh, degrees in communications, international studies, and nonprofit management. In other words, I really did not want to miss my shot to do what I get to do now. Uh, it actually worked out, and so I'm now the communications manager at Plant with Purpose. Um, we're an international nonprofit. We uh, work in nine countries, uh, working on both ecosystem restoration and community development, really in rural areas in the types of countries we work. There's a strong overlap between both of them. Most of the people we work with rely on farming and agriculture for a living, so it's a much harder climb out of poverty when you're up against deforestation, climate change, things like that. So I get to manage our communications, our external messaging, and try and get other people excited about what we're doing. Thank you so much for sharing about yourself and your companies. What are your roles and responsibilities? Your roles, responsibilities, and duties? Yeah, so I am, the best part about my job is developing leaders. Um, so I oversee our staff. Um, we are 10 strong in San Diego, and we have our national headquarters in Orange County, um, which is an additional 300. Um, so we have some auxiliary support from Orange County, but I get to oversee our 10 employee, employees um, and raise them up and help them become um, advocates and world changers for the kids in our care, as well as um, serving families um, who are in crisis. Um, so that's my favorite part of the job is overseeing our staff and um, developing them. Um, I also oversee our external communications here in San Diego. Um, and so when um, people reach out and they want to get to know Olive Crest, um, I do that as well. Fun development. Um, I do a little bit of everything, which you'll probably hear is a common theme in nonprofits is you wear a lot of hats. So I would not recommend getting into nonprofit work if you want the same day to look exactly the same. It's just not going to happen. Um, but that keeps me energized and going because today, for example, I sat with judges here in San Diego. Um, and then I was talking to a family about um, their children in crisis. And then I went to um, a homeless drop-in sh shelter here in downtown. Um, and so part, a large part of my responsibility is also um, networking here in San Diego and making sure that we're connected to the right community resources, connected to the right people, um, and developing and furthering those relationships. So um, Cross San Diego is kind of interesting because we are all volunteer led at this point. Um, executive director, every single person on our team is a volunteer. Uh, and so for me, as marketing manager, I sort of part of my job is overseeing the marketing communications committee, um, which is right now a whopping two people. But that's because <laughs> just we're transitioning into uh, our next round of committee members. Uh, but Besides that, I am also, I do all the social and I also help with the PR stuff and the messaging and the newsletters and, and all of, you know, the fun stuff. But I mainly work on social and a lot of what we're sort of working on in terms of the marketing committee is making or is providing opportunities for college students like you guys to come in and help us um, because it's volunteer led. It's kind of, you know an easy, easy way for you guys to get experience um, and to learn sort of what it's like to do marketing and or social media in a nonprofit. 
Um, right now, the other person on the team is a PR major from San Diego State. So her and I are kind of collabing and figuring out, you know, what we both do best and, and how I can or we can help her uh, raise her up and t- sort of strengthen strengthen her strengths, excuse me. Um, but a lot of our social marketing work is event marketing. Um, so we mentioned before, we have the cause conference. So from about July um, to October, we're, we're doing everything conference. I don't even think about anything else. Um, it's, you know, speakers and uh, breakout sessions and how to register and how to use, you know, the event app we use. And that's Shilly Event Marketing. And then for the rest of the year, we have events here and there. Um, so that's the event marketing piece. But also it's really about understanding who we are as a uh, as a brand and as a you know soon to be nonprofit um and really giving continuing to give those resources to the nonprofits and for profits so for me it just looks like a lot of research on my end i've learned so many different acronyms and and phrases that i did not think i would have to know um and i literally have like a written out like dictionary of like all these like things that people throw around um, but it's been really great to sort of see, especially someone who's not from San Diego, uh, how I can impact my community because, you know, I'm not leaving anytime soon. So, yeah, it's been fun. Roles and responsibilities depends on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Missy was sure right when she said uh, you have to be a jeweler jack of all trades uh, for nonprofit marketing. But I think that's what I relish most about it. I've always had the the nonprofit bug, as I like to say. Um, I start my background. I, I don't have a marketing degree, uh, full disclosure. Um, <laughs> uh, my degree is in public relations, and I grew up uh, doing yearbook and writing for my school newspaper, and wanted to go in and wanted to be print. And then I had a really great professor uh, who's like, "I think you should take my, one of my public relations classes." And I just really, I loved it. I loved how, I loved being able to communicate and tell a story and the power of persuasion. So I started off in an agency and um, in Las Vegas, so I had a lot of hospitality clients, but I always took on all the pro bono work. (laughs) And then a funny thing happened. I had found an opportunity for one of my clients uh, for a nonprofit called Muscular Dystrophy Association, they used to run a, v- a very popular telephone with Jerry Lewis. Yay. I see you. I see you. I'm going to look at that reference. Um, at the last minute, he backed out and I was like, I, 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 I'm going to go in his place. Um, so I went and they were like, hey, we're looking for someone with comms, um, but also someone who we, we want them to be a fundraiser. And I was like, I have no idea how to fundraise. Okay, sure. So, uh, you know, I joined them, and I got to get under the hood of a nonprofit and see what their challenges are, see how sometimes there can be limited resources, but also see how phenomenal the volunteers can be, how you can really carve a path, how, you know, like, really you can can make it your own. So I did that for four years, a really wonderful organization, and then... I started to progress and was getting more into the admin. I was like, I miss the creative, I miss the writing. So I came out to San Diego. My husband's also in, in marketing. We talk shop a lot. Um, and I was able to meet this really wonderful PR agency called Skatina Daniels, and they do PR solely for nonprofit companies. So I spent eight years there. Uh, did a lot of PR pitching, uh, doing strategic comms, working with nonprofits, again, kind of honing those skills, like seeing where their pain points are, how to create processes to help communicate their message better. Also doing, you know, like compassionate storytelling. I think that's so important, especially when you're working in nonprofits, depending on who you're working with. I got a chance to work with Susan G. Coleman and working with some of the most, the bravest women you've ever met to, to share their stories and be entrusted 
to tell their stories. Um, and it was just so rewarding. And then two years ago, I saw some street banners. We were just talking about it for uh, Voice for Children. And um, I felt really called to come to the organization because I was actually using foster care myself and wanted to give back. And I wouldn't be where I was if I wouldn't have had some really committed um, people in my life who'd helped take care of me, helped, see, helped me see my potential. And I also wanted that next challenge of overseeing the entire communications wheel from design to writing and pitching press releases to working on really great videos to the social media. I have a team of three. I'd say we do the work of 10 people, um, but no day is the same. And I think that's really great. And I think what I really appreciate about working in social services is there's some of the most committed people you will ever meet who work so hard and who are so caring and would literally give you the shirt off their back. So, I mean, it, it's hard work, but it's really rewarding work. And I, I, it really gives you that sense of purpose. Yeah, I think I'm echoing the entire table when I say you wear a lot of hats and you don't do the same thing every day. Um, fortunately for me, the idea of doing the same thing every day was a lot scarier. So I kind of thrive in a bit of the chaos, which I think is a a common tendency. Uh, when I joined Plant With Purpose seven years ago, I was hired uh, as a one-person marketing team, uh, which is pretty uh, intense and had a lot of things <laughs> not uh, go according to plan, but I also learned a lot in kind of those first four years before the organization started growing and our team could start growing as well. So um, now I oversee our communications team uh, and I'm still very involved with the direct process, but day-to-day -day with uh, some of that looks like um, a good portion of my work is uh, represented by storytelling, so similar to you. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of our storytelling is international, so at least once a year uh, I plan a media trip of visiting one of our program sites, um, recruiting uh, a filmmaking team, and then conducting the visits, the interviews, really trying to make the most out of everyone's effort to get there, the, the host organization's efforts to um, arrange these interviews and to bring us around. Um, and that's perhaps my favorite part of the job because I get to interact up close with the, the communities, the populations we serve and making sure that that's uh, yeah, done compassionately and ethically is a huge portion of that. Um, it's yeah, especially complicated internationally where there's things like language barriers and power dynamics to be aware of. Um, and then when we're not able to send media teams, because we can only do that about once a year to one country, I work with our partner organizations in each country we work in to help with the process of them collecting their own stories and relaying those as well. Uh, I manage our digital communications, um, which is a lot, and so I'm thankful I uh, have an awesome media specialist who does a lot of the direct executing, but I kind of help plan the strategy for things like our website, our social media, um, our email newsletter, the analytics of those to make sure they're going in the right way, uh, as well as um, certain themed campaigns. So we'll have campaigns around seasonal things. Uh, Earth Day is a big one for us. Usually right around year end is the common push for many nonprofits. And yeah, I think the overall objective hasn't changed from the time I started, which is to help the organization grow. Uh, we have, we're all donor funded. So this is really how the work is able to continue. Um, but we have fundraisers who work on kind of the direct fundraising um, one-on-one -on -one with donors or your donor groups and grant writers who work with the foundations. But um, my marketing team works to increase the profile of the organization so that increasingly the tables turn and people are finding us because we're aligned with their funding interests and hopefully just because they like us and think we're a cool group. <laughs> <laughs>
It's so interesting to hear about all the many hats you wear, you wear and how each day is different. How do you establish and balance boundaries to prevent burnout? But sad fact, just say fun fact, but sad fact is that um, most social workers burn out um, after two years in service. Um, and that's just because of the um, secondary trauma that we experience. Um, so this is always an interesting question to me. How do you establish and balance boundaries to prevent burnout? Because a lot of the social, the, the field that I'm in, it's 24 seven. Um, and so we are grateful for days when there's not crisis happening at 10 o'clock, but sometimes there are. Um, so I think the question for me is always, how do I fill my cup? Um, so that burnout doesn't happen, right? What are the cues that I need to pay attention to in myself um, when I start to, that will help me notice when I'm burning out, right? So some of the things that I do, I am a, um, someone who follows the way of Jesus. And so I spend my mornings with him, um, whether that's listening to the Bible on the way to work, and whether that's um, spending time in the word in the morning um, or um, worship music, whatever that looks like um, for that morning. I'm going to make sure to spend time with um, in relationship with the Lord uh, because he is um, how I do what I do. Um, and then secondly, I think I'm, I'm so interested in this question and we talk about it a lot because I think one of the things that I do is make sure that I am not investing my time in things that don't matter. Um, because I think I can, I think a lot of the reasons I'll speak personally, I won't generalize personally, I can find myself burning out when I'm scrolling aimlessly on Instagram, right. Or, um, saying yes to another social thing because I think I should be social. Right. Um, but instead I'm really prioritizing what in my life is significant. Um, what are the relationships that are, um, significant where my good friends who are those that speak life of encouragement or accountability um i have a husband so spending time with my spouse in meaningful ways not just on the couch watching another movie um and when it comes to work i um really just put it before the lord because i have a job that's 24 7 and there's going to be some days that are 12 hours. And then there's going to be some days that are eight. <laughs> and I'm going to be very grateful for the eight. <laughs> and I'm going to intentionally refresh after the 12. Um, so I think in the culture that we live, we're very like, we need to make sure we have our boundaries. And sure, I think that's great. But I also think following the way of Jesus means that sometimes those boundaries are a little bit more flexible than culture would like us to have them. Um, so I'm not saying... We need to kill ourselves because I don't think that's the right answer either. But I think we need to be reasonable. Um, I remember when I started um, in my field, this is, I don't know how I ended up here. The Lord is gracious and kind. Um, but when I started, I was a woman in ministry. I came from a, a background of ministry. And at the time, it's just so different than where you guys are now. Um, women just weren't, um, in the non-denominational world, they just weren't really um, welcomed in as pastors or on pastoral staff. And so there was an admin assistant job in missions, which is what I wanted to do. And I just, and it was part-time. And I said, I will take part-time to get my foot in the door and I will grind. So I worked two jobs. I worked 12 hour days for a full year um, before I became uh, full-time and was promoted to a coordinator. And so there is, I think this very real sense that sometimes you have to hustle. You know, but I do think the Lord blesses your efforts. So, love that. 
I think for me, um, I mean, I have to constantly remind myself that this is volunteer life and I don't get a paycheck at the end of the day um, because I've, I've been sort of treating it as a full-time job, if you will. Um, but I think, I mean, I'm involved in so much within San Diego, so it's easy for me to sort of, you know, divvy it up and, and realize like, okay, like today's an AMA day or today's, you know, a, a cause San Diego day, um, and, and do it that way. But I think, you know, as much as I do wear multiple hats in my position, um, most of my days are social media and just, you know, in that, in that, uh, and so, I'm, I'm one to get bored really easily when I do one thing. So for me, um, I have to sort of, I'm like, okay, like today I spent eight hours, you know, in the social platforms and planning out the content for next month. Let me go record a podcast episode or let me go, you know, like go write a new blog post or something like that. So for me, it's like having different things that I can do that I am passionate about is really important for me. Um, because if I could, I would every hour just like switch to a new thing. Um, that's just the ADHD in me, but you know, uh, that is sort of my ideal world. It can't really happen that way. But I think besides that sort of like with all the things that I do, I do experience burnout because I do so much, um, for, everyone else for the community and so for me to sort of recharge to show up as my best um it's really just about like you said like hanging out with friends and people who can support you and be there for you whether it's just venting to them or you know just hanging out or going to grab a bite to eat um but also it's about the having time by yourself and being able to sit with yourself and be like okay like we've just done five days of the week what just happened and like <laughs> and like how can I take what happened this week um and either like change things up from the way I did things this week or continue to do certain things um and then also just like making sure you're getting enough sleep um that's super super important uh I always say like people are like eight hours and I'm like screw that like I always say between seven and nine whatever you can get on that range every day looks different but between seven and nine is truly ideal and making sure like you can take care of yourself because I I always say to myself like your body is a thing that is letting you do all of these things and so if you're not taking care of that you're not going to be able to do all the things you're doing one day and that for me is just a reminder of like oh yeah like I do need to eat lunch today like that is something I should do at 3 p.m um and so that sort of thing I how I feel like I navigate it all really important to, to kind of know, you know, like look at your body and, you know, like just being like, Hey, I need to, you know, eat lunch or <laughs> yeah. have a, have a cup of tea or take care of yourself. Um, I'm really lucky cause I have a, a five-year-old son, uh, and a really awesome husband, as I said, also named Helen. Uh, <laughs> so, and my five-year-old, I like to, I call him my most demanding client because he doesn't care if I have something due. It's, it's time to, you know, be mommy. And he really helps keep me grounded and, and rooted in things that are really important in life. Um, you know, I shared that I was, uh, I was in foster care. So I have three brothers, they live in Wisconsin. So like maintaining those relationships, you know, close and far, I'm going to visit them next week and I have nieces and nephews. So 
I think, you know, it, sometimes it can be a struggle. I definitely do, do struggle with the balance issues. I'm so passionate about what I do, but I think surrounding yourself with people who kind of help keep that in focus is really critical. Um, you know, whether it's meditation or like even listening to a funny podcast, I just was listening to Conan O'Brien needs a friend. So I always like to do like things that like, you know, maybe bring some levity and humor. Um, reading has been really helpful for me, um, to get disconnected from this. Um, I actually just bought on Amazon, it's like a little sleeping bag for your phone and you can put your phone away. And I can tell you, I felt some really great freedom from that. So hot tip. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm working on this. I have, uh, I have three young kids at home. Uh, they are, uh, they're four, two and two. Uh, they all just have birthdays, which is wild. Yeah, yeah, twins. That's yeah. <laughs> I think that's it, to get that equation. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, in some ways, like a little bit of burnout and tiredness at the end of the day is totally a reasonable expectation for this season of life. Uh, I sometimes have to remind myself of that. Uh, but yeah, what I've learned from that whole experience is that the way people recharge or take care of themselves or avoid burnout is going to be pretty unique, person to person. My wife and I both work um, pretty demanding jobs that we both really enjoy and then take care of the same set of kids. So we have a pretty good uh, control group and the way we need to recharge our batteries is totally different. I think she, uh, at the end of the day, often looks for more of like, like what you would think of as like a physical rest and refresh. Um, whereas I'm kind of looking for more diverse activities outside of like work and taking care of the kids, which can be, you know, very all consuming if you let it. Uh, and so even though, yeah, it, technically puts more things on my agenda. Uh, I do stuff like uh, distance running to engage my body more, uh, taking improv classes just because it's fun. And yeah, uh, I think you know, there's an awesome TED talk called The Seven Types of Rest too. So if you're kind of curious or want a framework to think about resting in different ways that might not look the same as the next person to you, then that's a cool resource. But uh, for me, it's not just altering the type of activity you do to recharge, but it's also, uh, a reminder that uh, I'm not just one thing, you know, because um, I, I, I really like my job. I like what I do. And in many ways, you know, it's kind of the direction I've been steering the ship in ever since I was a student. You know, I really wanted to end up where I am and I'm so glad it worked out. Uh, and some of the early years, it was really easy to hyper identify with that, you know, to be like, I work for this awesome organization and this is how I'm going to introduce myself because I, I work really hard for it and I want people to know about this organization and that I'm there and this is what I do, you know, but, um, but yeah, every person is, is part of that, but also so much more. And so broadening your sense of who you are. I'm also a dad. I am also, you know, a, a, a traveler, a runner, an improviser, an artist, all these things. And I like to think that you know, being a better improviser makes me a better dad, and being a better dad makes me a better manager. And in the ideal world, these things feed each other. And so trying to tap into that, uh, that cycle um, is what I aim for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing all those things. That was extremely helpful, especially for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you measure the impact of work within the mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. My mind goes so many different places. Mm -hmm. um, how do you measure impact? One, I would say, is through the like the tangible lives that um, you impact. Mm -hmm. um, and so, 
not everything in the work that I do is wrapped up in a nice bow. Gosh, that would be like so lovely if they were, if the stories ended, you know, and it would make a really great two minute TikTok and they went from homelessness to shelter and the kids graduated college and now they're doing X, Y, and Z, right? But the reality is nonprofit work is so much more messy than that. Um, and so what we do is celebrate the wins when they happen. Um, but also to measure impact, we also have data. I love data. I love a good data set. Um, and so we look at placement stability, like how many times did a foster child have to move homes? Um, if that if placement stability is 100%, that means a child only had to have one home and we got to reduce trauma that way. Um, we also look at, um, when I think of my fund development grant writing hat, I look at how much um, were we able to raise last year as to how much money were we able to raise this year? How many more, because what that means is how many more people are connected to the mission, right? Um, it also looks like how many people are reading our emails and our um, materials and things like that. Um, but I really always go back to the one. Um, you have to define um, celebrations and you have to define wins. Um, and what you celebrate is what you pay attention to. Um, so when it comes to impact, there's, of course, so many different ways um, to measure impact and to figure out what is the most important for your nonprofit or where you work. Um, but I always go back to the one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's two different ways to measure it. I think the first one is like your personal own measurement of like what impact you are making within your role and within the organization. Um, but also I think that there is like obviously the organization's way of measuring. And I think that that is different for almost every single organization because that measure of impact is based off of what your organization's objectives are. So for you guys, it's, you know, where are we placing these kids and all of that. And for cause it's about who is showing up to these events? Are they people who have showed up to events before? Are they people who just found out about, about us? How did they find out about us? Find out about us? I'm so sorry. Um, and all of those like little logistical questions. And so for me, because again, I work, I do the old social stuff. My direct representation of our impact is First, I mean, all the little social media analytics, um, but also like we had a mixer last Thursday that we only ran through our um, through our sorry, newsletter. Sorry. Um, and so like, how do people respond to that? We had over 40 people there. We had 80 sign up, 40 there. Uh, and so like, how does that correlate to how much time we put into the newsletter and how much information we put in the newsletter and then also like when we only you know run things through social and all of that and that's I think sort of how I measure the impact per se um but I think at the end of the day it really is the the aftermath and the stories that we that we get after all the participants have done the conference or the mixers or the workshops and like they come to us with these emails with three paragraphs like this is what happened after the mixer this is what happened after the workshop thank you guys so much and just like telling us what they were able to do because of what we provided I think that's the biggest way to measure it Really great insights. I also dig data. Um, that's a big part of what I do is um, in my role, I serve on a 10-person leadership team for Voices for Children. The organization has over 70 employees. So 
Uh, really grateful that I have a seat at the table. It, it always, I think it's important for marketing to have a seat at the table. Um, Cause a lot of times I say all roads lead to marketing. Um, it's how you tell your story. It's it's how you present your your image and your brand to, to the community. It's how you build ambassadors and people who will help steward your mission. Cause as a nonprofit or organization, you can't do it alone. Um, so we track um, how, from things to how many media placements uh, do we get a year? Um, did you, did we get a link back in that? Did that can help convert to someone signing up to, uh, attend an info session, become a volunteer. We track those types of, um, anecdotes to, uh, each one another one of my, uh, really fun parts of my job is we do an impact report every single year. So we report back to the community, uh, what we did um, you know, I, I love that. I think it's, you know, it's important to have that transparency with your, your donors and your volunteers and your community partners in the court. Um, so we work on that with, um, and I'm really, we have a team of uh, three total, but um, I have really great vendors who I work with from graphic designers to really great video companies. So I, another way I measure impact is how, how do we get there? Did we, you, you can, you know, when you look at success, you know, you also, you need to do something that's manageable and humane. Uh, we talk about like grinding, we've all been there and, um, I think also building that culture where you take care of yourself, but you also make sure you're, you're taking care of the people who are with you in and out every single day and make sure their cups are filled or if they need something, you're there for them and they're not burning out is also really, really critical. Yeah, um, as an organization, we love statistics. Um, we are such a, a data nerd organization. Um, we've planted uh, 70 million trees. We do about 10 million trees a year. Um, we have uh, data that shows how we've cut poverty in half, like by 55% in the areas we work, and that's based on a multidimensional index. So the numbers go deep, and you know these are gathered through doing comparison studies against a control group, and that stuff's really fun, and I've really gathered an appreciation for that. However, I will say I was drawn to my role because I'm more of an artist at heart and a creative and a storyteller. And so even though I've learned to really appreciate statistics, it's not my first language, so to speak. And so I've learned how to team up with people who do, who are more fluent in that. Um, a few years ago, I started working with our current communications specialist and um, she began really uh, curating the data, not just collecting it, but curating it to make sense of things like email open rates, segmenting our donors into different um, groups, different profiles based on the type of audience to see how our messages were playing with each one. Um, really everything from demographics to um, things like website visits, donor retention, click-through rate, all the things you hear about pretty often in like marketing emails and that sort of thing. Um, but what I really gained an appreciation for was how to use that because I could collect it, but I was just collecting it for the sake of collecting because I knew you were supposed to do that. Um, she kind of gave me insight as to how to better use that, how to like make sense, um, use those statistics to answer things you're curious about, to test um, what's working, you know, down to like what subject lines work better in emails to uh, does this sort of message play better with this group versus another group. Um, and just by doing all like those hundreds and hundreds of small things right, we've seen our efforts get more effective over time. And that's kind of a process you've never done with. You just keep going. So if you um, if you are a native speaker, so to speak, of statistics, use that skill. And if you're not, uh, figure out how to team up with somebody who does have that going on. This is our last question. Um, you guys all touched on it, but what do you like about the nonprofit? Hmm. 
other people. Mm-hmm. It's just the best. Mm-hmm. You just have um, you have people that are driven for a purpose. Um, you know, I have family members that are driven for finances, and I have um, those that are driven for logic. But I feel like those in the nonprofit are driven by passion. Um, mm-hmm. And the best part about working in nonprofit is um, you get to see lives touched. And I was like truly changed. Um, yeah, nonprofit work is the best work. I just fully believe it. Um, so if you're interested in marketing, um, I, and you are, you find yourself as a person driven for justice or driven by compassion, or if stories grab you that tell stories of a person's life that led to change, um, I really suggest you figuring out how to get into the nonprofit sector. Um, again, it's not for everyone. Um, you know, there are long days and um, sometimes things don't go as according to plan. But if you find yourself driven for justice um, and driven for those compassion things, I just, it's the best. It's so cool. <laughs> um, and you get to hear stories and you get to be a part of their stories. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I just... I think you know to you belong in nonprofit when you can't see yourself doing anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can't imagine, you know, being in the business field. It just like doesn't make any sense to me because I'm like, how do you, you mean you have a, you sell a product? Like what do you what does that look like? You know what do you mean? And I have friends that you know are in the medical device field, and gosh, they just make boatloads of money. You know, and they are so passionate about it. I'm like that's so cool everyone can do something to support vulnerable kids sounds like you're gonna be a donor you know (laughs) but i could never just sell medical devices you know i'm like this is an ankle you should put in someone you know um my nonprofits, you you get to touch people's lives and you get to sit with people in their brokenness and you also get to see god do just phenomenal miraculous things um i always say I get to work in a promise of God. Um, all of Christ, if you haven't caught on, it's based on Judeo-Christian values. Um, so we use a lot of faith language. Um, but one of the things that I get to say is we work in a promise of God. God is a father to the fatherless. And because he is, he shows up in miraculous ways. And we have story of story of story of God's faithfulness to these kids. And we just get to be the arms and feet, you know, like we just get to serve these kids. So nonprofit is just the absolute best. It's totally worth every hour, every sleepless night, um, every meeting. Um, it is it is 100 percent worth it. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I was literally going to say it boils down to passion, really. Uh, for me, my biggest passion is seeing other people succeed uh, and really being able to lift up the underdog's voice to allow them to sit at the table with all of these big business execs. Um, and so for me, nonprofit, that's where it's at. Um, because, you know, like a lot of us have said, like we just want to tell stories, we want to be able to show the world, like, there are people who, you know, at least for cause, like, who are sitting at their house right now, ready to start their nonprofit, but they're afraid to because they think that their, their, uh, their topic is already too saturated. But it's like, no, it's like anyone can create a nonprofit. We have over, I think it's, don't quote me on this, 12,000 nonprofits as of last year, just in San Diego. 
And that is so beautiful to me because it's, it's a, it's representation of people going out there and really taking that first step to do something that they're passionate about. And so I think for me, working in nonprofit, that's just what it is. It's every day I get to wake up and say, okay, I am going to do something that is going to hopefully impact someone's life down the line tomorrow, whenever, mm-hmm. um, and be able to continue to do that work. I really love the mission, obviously, but what I really love about nonprofit marketing specifically is I just really love figuring things out. I love the creative process and getting in a room with a bunch of folks and brainstorming and taking something from nothing to something and the journey along the way, whether it's creating a video and coming up with a concept and storyboarding it and going out to your sites and uh, you know coming back with your locations and figuring out the logistics. I think good marketers are also typically good project managers. So they know how to work well with people and they know how to help keep the, the ship running and running smoothly and on time and, and on budget. That's also something that's really important <laughs> and hopefully having some fun along the way um, and producing something that is, is really going to inspire folks. Um, Maybe they'll learn something along the way. And then another thing that I really love is I love it when people feel inspired to to share their own story in a way that feels comfortable with them. And something that I do is I work with our volunteers on media training, and that can look different for the volunteer. Like some volunteers are like, put me on TV. You know, I'm ready for my close-up. Some volunteers are like, I do never, I never want to be on TV. Uh, so maybe a print interview might be good for them or radio. Uh, so kind of seeing again, kind of going back to that compassionate storytelling where they're comfortable with and maybe even seeing like, maybe they might eventually feel comfortable with going on TV someday. And then it's even better when we get to see some of our youth who feel really excited, inspired to share their stories and their journeys. Um, because I think it's really great when you, you learn it and you see it and it's, it's all about the people at the end of the day. So how can we present the folks who power organizations in the best light to really, again, you know, recruit more volunteers, you know, get more donors, help build programs, plant more trees? Um, the, the one challenging aspect about a question like this for me is always recognizing that I think I've had an exceptionally good experience with the nonprofits I work for and wondering, like, how much does that speak for the industry overall or just yeah. my, uh, yeah. my experience yeah. that I'm really yeah. fortunate for. But I will say, right outside of college, I took an internship with another nonprofit that worked uh, with refugees. And I had a blast. Uh, it was a lot of, it was uh, demanding work, but it was a lot of youthful, idealistic energy <laughs> and people just waking up very passionate to get to work there. And there was like an intentionality to everything that was being done. And that's set the bar really high. I realized, like, okay, whatever I end up doing, with you, I knew this was a short-term internship, but what I want doing, I wanted to have this quality to it, this sort of everyone wants to be here, everyone's bought in, and just very dedicated to the mission. Uh, and I think I managed to get that <coughs> a little bit more. Um, and so and it's a little bit different when the median age of your workplace is... 40 rather than 20, <laughs> approximately. Um, but seeing people who bring that same energy, but in a way that's meant to be sustained out for years and years. 
And when I get to see that, um, plus the benefit of just the relationships that form along the way. Uh, and what's cool with doing it in an international organization is just, you know, every now and then being reunited with our program directors who are based in other countries or from other countries, seeing our director of our Congo program, and just kind of feeling like you're seeing a family member again, like, ah, oh, it's so good to see you again. And then knowing you're going to maybe drive out to a community somewhere and just get all this time in the car to catch up and have that sense of community. And then go out, and it's a little bit of, um, yeah, that interpersonal relationship, a little bit of adventure, a little bit of creativity, a whole lot of purpose, and it's this, just this blend of, I think, all the different ingredients that make for uh, an ideal work-life world. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, we're going to open it now for questions. Um, I mean, I appreciated everything that you guys had to say. You guys offered, like, pretty awesome perspectives on how you guys deal with everything and um, just managing the nonprofit life in general. Um, I think I kind of relate to Philippe's right? um, kind of majors. I'm an international development major with a nonprofit organization management minor and a marketing minor. Um, but kind of what interests me the most is like going into nonprofits and like being able to track how you kind of see success um, what did you know that you like, or if you didn't know, what like softwares or things were you using to kind of maintain you know, a positive success rate rather than like kind of getting stuck or burned out? If that's something. I want to make sure I understand your question. You asked about like what softwares you were using yeah. to make sure. Well, like, I mean, how you're tracking data. Like, oh, I see. Like, yeah, um, you know, the one that I've used for years and years is Google Analytics. I feel like I would not be the most ideal person on our team to answer this question. I feel like my answer is not in software, but just our entire uh, our entire impact and monitoring team, um, who I use, plus uh, Catherine, who's our, our specialist. Uh, but yeah, I think most uh, most email senders do a good job of providing some, like the, the standard set of analytics as far as open rates and click-throughs go. Um, demographics. Uh, our our donor team likes to switch out our, our CRM, so kind of the software we use to manage our donor relationships time to time. We're about to go on Salesforce, which is a very robust one. Uh, and so one tip I'll have is uh, we've been using one called Bloomerang for some time. Yeah, and I think... And you use Blackhawk. Yeah. Because it focuses on that problem. Yeah, not uh, at my current spot, but I have interfaced with it a little bit. Um, but I will say, if you want a little help on how to get more better use out of these tools, mm -hmm. talk to their sales reps, especially if you're already a user. There's people whose full-time job is to just get you using their program more and <laughs> make sure you have a good experience with that. So totally tap into that. Um, people are being paid by somebody else to, to do that. Uh, <laughs> And they'll help you, like, yeah, you can just say, like, hey, I just want to make sure I'm getting the most out of this. Can you show me your favorite feature? I'm <clears throat> thrilled to, like, schedule a time and mm -hmm. walk you through that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I tap into somebody else's enthusiasm to share that with you. Yeah, when I worked at a PR agency, I literally became friends with, like, one of the people, like, the support staff people uh, from Monday.com, too. Because, mm -hmm. like, uh, I was a... What was I? I account uh, coordinator. And so my whole job was just sitting in Monday.com and organizing our database. And so I had to find like new ways to do things and new ways to, you know, like 
how do we get this list to go to that list and you know things that money.com doesn't actually do I had to figure out how to do uh and so it was just me and you know this support person just just sitting in my inbox every day and just you know, asking her these impossible questions. And she was like, I guess you can do it. But like, we don't really support that. And I was like, okay, cool. Great. Um, so yeah, so it's, yeah, I think, um, again, it's really company specific as well. Um, so it's not really one that like we could point out to be like, oh my gosh, like focus on this. But like Google Analytics has a bunch of like, uh, like courses and certifications that I'm sure a bunch of other ones do. Um, I know like in terms of like, like social media stuff, HubSpot does, um, I think Hootsuite does as well. And then also if you want to look more on the PR side of things, um, Muckrack has a bunch of certifications as well that are all free. Um, that would really give you an idea of, it's not nonprofit specific, but it gives you an idea and it gives you the education of like how to use all these different tools and how to, you know, stuff that you need for whatever job you go into next, whether it is corporate or nonprofit. It's so interesting that you mentioned that just like the PR, like, you know, measurement there. Cause I think yeah. PR can sometimes be maybe folks might say it's a little bit hard to, to quantify. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have, you know, circulation and audience reach. But some of the things that I look at is, you know, were we hyperlinked? Um, was our CEO or volunteer quoted? Did they use the, did the, uh, the media outlet use the photo that it provided with the, the <laughs> caption? Um, how much of the share of the, the article that we have? And then I take the, those and when I prepare my report to the board, those are the types of anecdotes that I share. Did we, um, did, X amount of volunteers say they heard about us by reading the San Diego Union Tribune article. So kind of looking at the journey, the customer journey is mm-hmm. something, um, or volunteer prospect journey um, is really important. You know, did the prospective volunteer visit the website and did they spend, how long did they spend on the website? Um, can we use Google ads to, uh, to remarket, you know, if, you know, and bring them back? Um, are they coming to events? So tracking those types of stats. And I think it's really easy to also go down a data hole. So like really looking at the, the, the data and the points that are the, you know, most, you know, applicable to, to your core function and, you know, like knowing how to present those and how to present those in a way that is palatable. If you're presenting to a board or donors, um, because sometimes they, they don't want, they don't want all the detail. They, they want the high level detail, but they also want the stories behind it too and you're they want to look at how efficient you are at getting there so um, i do want to be respectful of everyone's time um so can we give a round of applause for our speakers